0: Welcome, everybody, to the uh, Haunted Hacker podcast. Uh, let's just call it Max Justice, version two. Um, there you go. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fitting. So Max, we, we talked not too long ago, probably about three weeks ago. I think was our last talk, maybe a month. Um, Something then, like that. Yeah, and then uh, we were missed each other on the uh, anniversary, the long, long anniversary episode that was like sixteen hours. It's great. Right. Um, but yeah, Hell night. yeah, yeah, it was a great night. Um, made a lot of new friends and, and uh, talked about some really cool stuff. Um, so what have you been up to? It's been a while.
1: Oh, wow. It's, uh, I, I hate saying the word I'm busy because that's, uh, I don't want to ever reflect that I'm busy. Because mm. I take time out for what I want to take time out for. Right, You, my brother, I will take time out for you anytime.
0: Awesome. Okay, I so- appreciate it.
1: Uh, I, I'm just I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you again uh, because uh, you you make the uh, the gears wobble a little bit and uh, <laughs> I I need that so thanks you you, you provide a lot of inspiration the sh- your shows man uh, awesome you had uh, oh, what was that cat's name Captain Captain Zap. Captain Zap, Cap? Captain Captain Zap. Zap. Yep. man that was hysterical show I was laughing my ass off
0: yeah he's a great uh, guy
1: yeah in fact uh, i would love to meet him in person someday he he sounded very uh he he was on a roll oh he yeah for sure no way.
0: yeah he's, he's one of those guys that uh there's so much history wrapped up just within himself um and every time i talk to him it's like i chip a little bit more away at what he's done and what he's up to uh, he's definitely one of those guys that's not afraid to uh swim upstream you know um so yeah, it, it's been it's been really good. Uh, you know, the, the time that, that we spent in between. Um, I've actually moved into a new place um, and getting you know kind of settled here and getting used to to living downtown and stuff. Um, and we have the anniversary show. We're actually thinking about having a an actual conference, a physical conference here in Chattanooga.
1: Oh point. no shit! Yeah, right, I'm down. I will be there. You cool. ho- you have that conference. I will be there.
0: Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, we are we we had talked about it on the anniversary show. Um, Chattanooga has a lot of really cool things. We had uh, the founder of Chattanooga Ghost Tours on the show and talking about all the haunted places around Chattanooga. So, you know, we thought, hey, it might be cool to have like a physical conference. Why not have it in a haunted city, right?
1: Hell yeah, absolutely. And so now Mont Eagle, how far Mm -hmm. away is that from you? I don't think
0: it's that far, to be honest with you. I'd have to look, though.
1: Yeah, because if you host, host a conference down there, I'm bringing the backpack. Awesome. Uh, and, and that's where I'm heading. So uh, uh, if you want to uh, lug around uh, some uh, your backpack and some meds and everything else that you need. Heck, yeah. We, we will definitely have to go for a little walk.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So one thing I want to talk about, I, I watched the show, this movie, yesterday. Was yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Um, It had Ryan Reynolds in it, and it was called Free Guy. So it takes takes place in an AI, uh, well, actually in a a video game, and Ryan Reynolds is an NPC, a non-player character, who by the strength of AI becomes basically a person within the game and becomes a character. And, you know, of course, the gamer, the programmer is trying to end his world you know he gets saved or whatever i thought it was really interesting i, I started thinking about it and you know during uh, halloween i was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about ai and constructs and you know the way that things work in the world and it reminded me of our first conversation uh, when it came to ai and consciousness consciousness and and just where we're going as i guess a society and civilization um so I, I just thought that was really interesting. Do you have any thoughts on, on AI and, and kind of like the typical, you know, what happened? Have you seen that movie?
1: I have. And it's, it's funny. And it's also scary at the same time. Right. Um, but it, now, I, the fact that we're talking about this topic, I kind of figured we'd get here. I do appreciate that you came to it first because, brother, now I've been thinking about a lot about you lately, especially with listening to your podcasts. Because every day during my workout, I'm like, oh, put it on mic. Let's, let's hear what he has to say. I can always put my workout on mute. But uh, you've had some conversations with um, – uh, we talked earlier about Captain Zap and, and Alyssa, who you're in cahoots with. You mm-hmm. uh, talked to uh, Gerald uh, – I forget his name, PhD. Ogier. Yeah, Gerald was your Great conversation and some others. And during these conversations, one thing that you've often brought up is AI. Mm-hmm. And uh, my thinking was, you know, why don't it would be great if we could build in like Fortnite or some one of these games uh, a hall of cyber justice. It'd be awesome, and, right, dude? In fact, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I gotta get with Mike to see if, if one if he's interested too how do we go about making this happen? And three, now, I don't know shit about Fortnite. In fact, I just started watching. I watched a couple videos this past weekend just to see what it's all about. Did you know that eSports, they are bringing in more revenue than the NFL, NHL, uh, the World Soccer League, and a couple others. You roll them all together and they still don't even compare to what the, the revenue that eSports is generating.
0: Exactly, it's it's phenomenal. I watched a um, documentary on one of the sports teams on esports, one of the gaming teams, and I believe one of the individuals on that team that, that formed the team was making like over a million dollars a year, and that slays me. Playing a video game of all things, right? And so one of the things that we had like as a plan, I was in Europe and I was in the hospital. I was pretty sick. I uh, had a lot of free time on my hands, so I started thinking about not having like a CTF but kind of like a cyber battle and, and have like a, you know, a battlefield, a cyber battlefield, just like they do on esports, but have it in sort of a, a hacking realm and bring it to life um, and showing, you know, the competition back and forth, the exploits being being thrown at each other and, and how they defend against it. You know, so, sort of like a CTF, sort of like a cyber range, um, but make it competitive. Uh, that idea is still there, but I kind of put the rest for a I was trying to, to build what I have now. Um, but I think it would be really awesome to, to, to have some kind of foothold in the gaming industry, whether it be in Fortnite or even Minecraft. Um, I know a lot of younger kids play Minecraft. Right. If, if you could build just a simple piece into Minecraft that helps spread cyber awareness among the users, it would be phenomenal.
1: Yeah, because those kids are spending... 8, 10, 14 hours a day, sometimes even more, online, playing these games. And they're not thinking anything about cybersecurity. And then they get to a level where they start bringing in all this revenue. Well, you and I both know, hey, easy targets, right? Exactly. So, you know, if we could build some kind of uh, hall of cyber justice or whatever the heck we're going to call this thing and, and collectively go in there like, initially as a team go in there quickly build it up boom 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 to show hey look we are much stronger collectively and 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 kind of have that start the message
0: i I think that would be great in fortnite um my son used to play fortnite all the time and uh i you know got really familiar with the game and and he was really good at it he was part of a a small team um but i think it would be awesome to to do that and show that you know all the other players how it's done how 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 we can conquer collectively and work with players in the game that have issues with let's say being cyberbullied or or being attacked uh within the game Um, because that happens quite a bit
1: wow so um so yeah it would be interesting to to get into that realm and you know the so i was talking with one of my mentees the the other day Mm -hmm. she's a uh, data scientist and when you're when you're in the tech field, you have a lot of similar thoughts. Yep. Uh, what I love about her, she's not me. She's the opposite of me. In fact, and I I learn just as much from her mm-hmm. as she learns from me. Uh, sometimes even, maybe more, because um, she's uh, in her twenties and African American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's not me. Completely um, opposite, right? So. Uh, it's great to talk to her because I, I get to to learn uh, from a completely different approach.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But so I asked her the other day, I said, when's that point going to happen when either you plug in or you don't, and then you become a uh, Neanderthal? Uh, at some point in time, we're, and you, we even... Uh, I think you made a comment about that being scary uh, yeah. on LinkedIn and, but it's going to happen and it's going to happen in our lifetime and it's only a matter of time till we take this, this thing and make it so small enough that we can just kind of connect with it uh, much like we do with Bluetooth so she thinks we're 30 years away I think we're more uh about 15 to yeah. 20. Yeah. Um because that last piece is going to come quick. Yeah. Just yeah. like the life expectancy we're on this path and we're kind of moving along and all of a sudden it starts curving up curving up and boom. Well, that's what's going to happen with this AI moment. It's going to sneak up on everybody, even those who are aware and they're going to be like, "Huh. We can do that now."
0: Yeah, exactly. And and I think with Elon Musk and Neuralink, I think that provides uh, a vehicle to get there quicker. Um, but, I, you know, I've talked to other people about it as well. and I'm not sure who would be the right person to bring that that type of connectivity to the world. Um, I know it can't be the government uh, because nobody will trust it. We see that with the vaccination. With the vaccination, nobody trusts the government. And if the government comes to us and says, hey, we can connect you with AI, nobody's gonna go that route. Um, so it has to be somebody that, that, that's a pioneer in their field. It has to be somebody that you know, doesn't have that dark shadow. Um, but I think, I think you're right, I think it's close. I think we're, we're looking at probably 15, 20 years max, um, especially when you look at, at, at the, the progress that Elon Musk has already made with that concept. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. yeah, and boy, there's not much that he doesn't put his hands on that isn't amazing. Exactly. Uh, uh, the boring tunnels not so damn boring.
0: Yeah, I think, I think trust is going to be the biggest factor when it comes to AI being brought to the market. It can't be big tech. It can't be Microsoft. It can't be the Googles. Um, it can't be any large tech company. It's got to be somebody who is not already in a position of power, I think, Um because, like I said, the first thing that's going to happen when you bring it to market, if it's one of those conglomerates or if it's the government, is going to be distrust immediately. And nobody's going to go for it. Um, you know, I, I already work with sort of, I, I don't want to say AI, but but close enough. Um, with the biomed tech that I have in my chest, it can determine, based on the heart rate, how many beats it needs to insert into my rhythm. So I'm already working with Biomed with, with biotech um, and sort of AI, not really AI though, um, but just that to help me stay alive. And I mean, I can only imagine like if we could get true AI to where, you know, it learns the body, it learns the systems, it learns how things work together and we can bring it to a nano size, right? And have it in the bloodstream and, and fix things. Um, I know that they had a camera uh, that they were using for... Uh, looking at people di- people's digestive tracts and it would swallow this, this little pill and it was a little camera. Mm-hmm. And they, right. could, they could monitor all the way through. Now, what if we could get a group of those and build AI into it and it could tell when something was going wrong and actually help repair?
1: Oh, absolutely. And we're probably going to put AI on CRISPR mm-hmm. into a nanobot and say, inject it and say, there you go. Yeah. Um, and... That's when the, the thought to computer becomes a reality. Right. And that's going to happen in our lifetime. Yeah. I have no doubt about that one.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's, it, it scares me, but at the same time, it really excites me because I think that would be phenomenal to hit that. Because to me, that's a glass ceiling that we're at right now. If we can bust through that glass ceiling, then there's no limitation to what we can do. However, if, if we do get that technology within the next 20, 25 years, and it gets into the wrong hands, a lot of really horrible things can happen. I mean, if you look at just the way the vi- virus, uh, you know, COVID-19 was, was looked at in a lab, and let's say it did escape that lab, look at just what that little piece of bio did to the entire Earth. Can you imagine if AI got into the wrong hands in the wrong lab? It could be devastating.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, 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 AI, anybody that say, says AI is not scary doesn't know what the hell they're talking about with AI.
0: Exactly. And, and I think the, the scarier part is we don't even, we truly don't know what consciousness really means yet. We haven't hit that. We haven't been able to define it distinctly what consciousness is what makes us human as far as consciousness, and and the things around us, what level of consciousness they have. And I think before we can have effective AI, we have to determine what consciousness really is in order to mimic that consciousness.
1: Uh, Spot on. And that's one reason why I think that we're going to have, we will have, humans as i call it plugging in before we have agi oh yeah, yeah um, i believe so yeah yeah uh, and agi again it's that uh, i think that's that uh, 25 uh, to 30 year mark or 15 to 30 year mark or however you're looking at it but that's people plugging in will happen before agi definitely <laughs>
0: One one thing I hope happens before we actually get to that point is we find out the truth about extraterrestrials and have we been visited and if there's other life other than Earth, and not and I'm not talking you know different you know like uh, viruses or bacteria or whatever on in different uh, ecosystems outside of Earth, but I'm talking like real life, like full blown advanced life life forms like us that that exist somewhere else. I believe they exist. I think the government believes they exist, Um, but I think that we're kind of at that impasse where nobody really wants to release that information because of the fact that a lot of scientists, a lot of government officials think that it'll cause mass panic. And I, I think completely the opposite. I think that if we can determine and release and inform people that there are other forms of life out there, then it'll bring us all closer as a civilization. Um, because then we know something is out there that's bigger than us. Uh, but I think we need to hit that point first before you actually go into AI. I think AI is, is going to happen, but I think we need to know the, the, the full cycle, the full truth about um, other life forms and other other life outside of the solar system.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And And I actually see it, as hackers being the one that are going to plug in before most. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, sure. Which is one reason why I'm doing my PhD on how the hacker innovates, Mm -hmm. because I think that it's going to be the hacker going in, throw me in the briar patch. I mean, 30 years from now, I'm going to be almost 80. Mm -hmm. No, I will be over 80. (laughs) The um, the quality of life, you know, it starts degrading at that, at about that time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, with, by that time I will have like 50 plus years of cyber under my belt and be like, yeah, (laughs) sure. Plug me in. So, uh, for me it's going to come right at that time where my body starts saying, uh, if I want to continue living, Mm -hmm. I gotta get the, take the uh, red pill. Yep.
0: and there, there's a movie about that actually who's in that movie is it johnny depp that plays that movie um he's a scientist he dies he gets put into oh yeah uh, yeah and that, that yeah, was, was kind of movie yeah yeah it was a great movie um that was kind of my thought you know originally i wanted to have burial to see like most navy uh personnel have um that used to have but I started thinking about it. I'd much rather be cremated and having my ashes put into an Ethernet cable. That way, I'm always part of the stream. You know, who knows? You know, maybe at some point, I, there was another film that I watched on Netflix, um, was about this place where when people pass away, they get uploaded to this environment, this cloud, um, and they, they continue existing in this other area. You know, they use AI, they use uh, like a a map of their brain and they put it into uh, the cloud and they still continue. And it's like a a whole environment. But I think, you know, for the people that will still be living, like if they lose a loved one, I think at some point we're going to get to where we can take their personality and embed it into AI. And so really it's like they're, they're still there. But not really there like you know you, you still have the the same personality you can see the same images but they're just you know they're gone right uh, yeah, i think that's coming too there's there's a lot of really exciting things that can come with ai um as long as it's handled correctly and i think it'll come when when we're ready for it because right now as as just as americans we're definitely not ready for ai uh, we can't even get a government to function in one direction, let alone you know release AI to the public or to the government. It should be—it could be disastrous too.
1: Yeah. Before we get AI, some other big global event—I don't know what—but something big will happen before we get to AI. Yeah. And that's really going to. It'll be like a 9 11 moment and it'll push everybody into AI. Yeah.
0: You I want thought... to live
1: fucking. <laughs>
0: yeah. It'll be like the vaccine again. Um, which it, Exactly. Yeah. Which scares me. Um, so that's one thing I wanted to touch on. So the vaccine uh, was created very fast, very rapidly to help stop a pandemic, a global pandemic. Um, and I, I saw on somebody's, I think it was their social media profile, but they had a video and She played two parts. She played the person who got the vaccine herself. And then she played herself, the person that didn't want to get the vaccine. And they were fighting back and forth about the legitimacy of the vaccine. And, oh, well, you got it. So you should be okay if I don't get it. And then, you know, her other person says, no, 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 you need to get to protect everybody else. So I think when it comes to the way the government functions, the way the government, like, releases that type of stuff. There's a level of distrust, like I said before. Um, but I really thought that that was a moment when the pandemic hit. I thought that was a moment that was going to bring the globe closer together and mm. all of us working towards the same goal. But if you so notice, it's
1: just farther apart.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but what we noticed and what we observed was it wasn't bringing the countries and globe together and, and building a bond. No, they were fighting over the vaccine. and Who's going to come out with it first to make that money? It wasn't about people. It was about money. Um, And I think as a society, we need one of those 9-11 type events to to occur, to put everything in check. Because I remember after 9-11, it only affected one country um, directly. But I think we need something to affect the globe directly. That way we can all come together. But you know, it, it's sad that we have to have something like that to, to bring us together. Um, but I think you're right. I think an event like that will bring on a new era post that event. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a positive era.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I hope it's not from somebody hacking into the water or the electricity or any of the other critical infrastructures. Exactly. <clears throat> but uh, no, actually um i and just for anybody out there in the world i'm not uh, asking for violence although i am a marine so i'm not asking for people to go out and take over the country but I, I really think it's going to take something to that level oh yeah that's going to have to that that's going to be the difference yeah um you know, the the Rome didn't last 400 years, right? Right. We're at what uh, two? Not quite 250, I don't think.
0: Yeah, and I tell this to everybody that, that talks about, you know, oh, you know, we'll never implode. Well, if you look at all the great civilizations of the entire history of man, every empire has imploded within itself. You know, you have Babylon, you have Rome. It was all destructed from within um so i mean we're, we're pushing that time frame now as it is and but the rest of the globe is doing the same thing as well i think the u.s is kind of like a uh, a role model for how to tear your countries apart right now yeah. uh, and i hope that doesn't happen but here in the u.s I, it just it, it is happening
1: oh yeah now the one thing that we have going for us is that you also you brought up a, a a point about the U.S. and I think that this is a point that's actually happening worldwide: is we are turning our youngsters into wimps.
0: Yeah. Oh God, yeah.
1: Worldwide, and it doesn't you know? The, you go to Korea, they, the the old timers are saying the same thing. You go to uh, China, guaranteed they're saying eh, they're pussies, or however they say that in English yeah. or in Chinese. Yep. But I don't know anyone from any country that doesn't have the same sediment We, we, we have weakened our, um, our species. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, unfortunately this cancel culture, is, it's part of that.
0: Yes. I was just about to say what's leading to charge in this, in this weakening of, of our country and our children is that whole cancel culture. You know, I, I do believe that, you know, if something's offensive, let's address it. Let's talk about it. Let's get it out in the open. But I don't believe in canceling people. I mean, one of my favorite football players, they're trying to cancel him, Aaron Rodgers, because it was his comments about the vaccination. Um, And everything is overly politically correct right now, I think. Um, And I I don't know what solves that. You know, I really don't. I, I don't know if it's, If it's such a bad thing, because when you look at Darwinism, right, and you look at survival of the fittest, we know that if we do have one of those events, those world-changing events, the snowflakes will melt. They'll be gone. I know which
1: side of that border, uh, that ocean I'm on.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, we're going to have left the people, the strong, and the people who have thick skin and who don't mind, you know, people erecting things, you know, to, to their liking, you don't have to right. like it, but you can't erase history either. Um, you know, some of history is very tainted. Some of the history is very bad, but the way that I look at the whole cancel culture and, and how everything happened. And yes, there were some bad figures in history that, that did some horrible things, but we learn from that and we don't have to be those same people. And they should serve as a reminder of what we don't want to do today. You know, let's not erase it and forget it. Let's remember what happened and keep that in the history so that we don't repeat it. If we cancel it and generations down the road have no idea what happened, then we're gonna repeat it. It's just gonna happen. Right.
1: And the problem is it's, it's a left versus right, uh, Coke versus Pepsi, Dem versus Republican. It, Everybody wants to put push it to the edge. Mm-hmm. We we're not going to solve anything by pushing people to the edge, bringing people yeah. into the center, talk you know, share diverse thoughts and opinions and mm-hmm. different points of view and, and collectively you know I, although I'm often challenged in uh, believing in the good in humanity right. Uh, the, but I do think that collectively if we were to come together and, and work towards a common goal good or what would have you we could but that goes to again something major happening before AI right uh, because if we if we let capitalists it, uh, stay in place, uh, um, and potentially even, I guess, socialists, depends on how you look at it. But um, with capitalists doing AI, then you're, you're increasing inequality. Right. Um, and <clears throat> you're, you're just going to make it much more divisive. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, there are more, you know, way more people than there are Uh, rich and, you know, that 1% can go away pretty quickly.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I think that you touch on a good point there. So, you know, if, if capitalists get a hold of AI, you know, we're going to look at a separation of classes. that's even more drastic than it is today. If we see government get a hold of AI, more than likely, we probably won't have access to it. Only a select few will be, you know, will have it. Um, So, I mean, it's just, it's a matter of time. Um, I'm going to have to pause really quick and I'll yeah. tell you why. let me pause. Okay. We're back. So where were we at? We're talking about AI and, uh, you know, a, an earth shattering event needing to happen before we actually, uh, get to that change and millennials. Um, yeah. Millennials. That's a, that's a real problem. Um, and I do think that Like just within cybersecurity, that whole mentality of I want it, I want it now, but I don't want to have to do anything to get it (laughs) is one of the things I have a problem with. So when I have someone come up to me and say, you know, Hey, how do I get into cybersecurity? My response is always, well, what have you done to figure it out so far? Well, nothing. You know, you've been in it for years. Tell me. And I'm like, okay, let me explain the history of of cybersecurity and how we all started. There was no Google to, you know, get all this information from. And, and you couldn't necessarily ask a group of people because then you would get flamed for for asking dumb questions. Right. So it's it's much different now. Like there's so much information out there, but they don't want to take that step to actually go and, and research it. Like they don't answer half their questions for themselves. They want to go up to somebody and say, okay, I want to be a pen tester by next August and I want you to give it to me. You know, where's the value in that?
1: You know, well, you know, when we were younger, we had the Pepsi generation mm-hmm. that was the same way. Uh, and, you know, I think it was probably world war two, maybe even before that where RTFM came out. Yep. You know, it's one of the oldest acronyms around mm-hmm. and you, know, we, you and I came out uh, up on the Rainbow series of books. Yep. If, if you didn't RTFM, uh, you were totally SOL. I hate actors too. <laughs> uh, but that it still applies. You still have to read the freaking shit. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't tell people enough. Uh, so if you're going to come into the cyber field, you better like to learn. Because that's all you do is learn and you read and you learn and you read and you try. You learn, you read, you fail, you try and fail again. And you got to like to fail because you're going to do it a lot.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And like just building stuff, right? So I didn't jump into Windows. I didn't like dive into Windows and take it apart, and figure out how it works and all that good stuff. I went straight to Linux where I could build services and I could, I could create web servers and ftp servers um, it wasn't that easy with with windows but what i realized was it that with linux it wasn't easy to build those i think it was more enjoyable because i don't know how many times i would set something up and the service would crash or i would have to go through the config file line by line and figure out where certain things needed to be but now even with with software development everything is pre-packaged now And and there's not a need for for people to be really in depth in systems, unless you're in cybersecurity. And in my mind, if you're going that route, then you should deconstruct those packages. You should look into the code and figure out how it works, how it was set up, instead of just saying, oh, well, you know, this is what this does. I don't really have to look into it. And I think as far as as defense goes, um, running a blue team is very interesting because when we get the alerts on the screen, a lot of the new people that are, that are coming to security and learned you know, a little bit to become a, a blue teamer, they see the alert, but they don't know what's behind it. They know the definition of alert, what that's indicating. But if you ask them to recreate the conditions, it will never happen. Um, oh, and I, I think that goes back to you know, the, the industry as a whole. Um, you know, and, and just the way we learn is a little bit different now as well.
1: Uh, yeah, the, the new math. <laughs> oh, God,
0: dude. Oh. <laughs> dude, that's so painful. My son used to come home from school with, with these oh. uh, math problems. And I would give him the answers. I'd be like, you know, this is how you get this. But I don't know what your teacher's doing here. And he's like, I don't either. But we have the right answer. I'm like, yeah, that's the right answer. He would go to school and come back upset, crying, because he failed the, the paper. And all the right answers were there. And I was like, "What? how, how, how did you fail? Just
1: because well, of the process he used?
0: Yes, because I we see, didn't. That's do- so wrong. Yeah. And it, it really hurt his feelings too because he has Asperger's and he deals with a lot of that stuff. And for him to fail at something when he knows that he was right was super hard for him to digest. Um, it was hard for me to digest. I actually called up the teacher and I was like, what are you doing here? Like, I don't, I don't get this. And she goes, well, he didn't use the, the right operation. I said, okay, does the operation really matter that much if he has a, the right answer? You know, he thinks differently than you do. And he thinks right. differently than I do. You can't hold him to that same method. If he has the answer, cool. Let him go.
1: Well, that's because our public school education system sucks and they're, they're training robots. They're not training people to think. Exactly. Heaven forbid you you think in education.
0: Well, and another thing too. I was talking to Kevin Thomas on the podcast the other night, and we were talking about education and learning, and, you know, being well balanced, well rounded, and how different uh, principles and different types of subjects play into cybersecurity, like literature and art and creativity. And one point that I brought up that that I've been thinking a lot about since we were on the podcast was the fact that when you go to college and even elementary and middle school and high school, you take a wide variety of courses to get to where you need to go to get that graduation or that diploma. Now, why in cybersecurity do we say, okay, here's your certification, here's your graduation certificate from this program, but all you've studied is exactly what we want you to know in that very niche area. Why don't we have like a cybersecurity school that you're required to take all the courses, learn how to be creative, learn how to look at language because language plays into operating systems, which plays into cybersecurity. But we're so micro-focused on just the technology or just red team, blue team aspect of it and not giving a full education.
1: Mm. Oh yeah. And it's that lack of curiosity. And mm. I think it, it's missing from a lot of people people don't ask why Mm -hmm. and one thing that really gets me maybe it's the marine in me but i hear oh they're afraid (laughs) well it kind of goes back to a topic that we were just on earlier where we are turning everyone into a generation of wimps Mm -hmm. um and uh it's almost like we're seeing the male and female roles flip in, in dominance
0: if, if we even have those roles anymore because now we have non-binary right. we have all the above which is fantastic for those people and i support every you know every preference whatever you know right. they're human just like we are but what i don't understand is so we all should be equal there should, be no, there should be no raise above the bar. You know, this class of people should get X more than everybody else. It should be equal. And we shouldn't, gender or, or sexual preference shouldn't have, shouldn't pose uh, a question when it comes to what do they deserve? Do they deserve less, do they deserve more? No, we should all be the same. Um, and one thing that, that I really have a problem with you know, is when we go into the workplace, and everybody is you know, back in school we had kids with special needs. and I worked with those kids when I was in elementary school, and they truly had they needed they needed special things to help them to, to get education. But we've made so many allowances for so many groups of people that don't need that special you know handling or whatever. And I think that' that's, that's where being in the military has really given, mean advantage and probably you an advantage as well at seeing things for the way they're supposed to be Um, and just accepting things and keep going Uh, but there's a lot of people who get hung up on the minutiae and really blow things out of proportion when you know hey you're going to get offended sometimes that's just the world in general especially now Um, but it takes a tough skin to to be successful and to get through life um, you know, if, if I was to sit back every time somebody made a rude comment to me or tried to tear me down publicly on the Internet, if I was to just stop, I would never have gotten to where I'm at.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think we will stop capitalism before we stop inequality. Oh, for inequality sure. Inequality has been around since the dawn of the human species. hmm and it's going to continue that way. I mean, that's why we have Darwin. And, uh, you know, we are just another form of an animal. We just happen to be you know, uh what is it, uh, Joe Rogan or Lex Freeman refers to us as, uh, you know, just monkeys. And we are. Yeah, We're just a couple chromosomes short. Not really much. Uh and so, I, because of that, we are always going to have some weak. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the responsibility of the strong to take care of the weak. Mm-hmm. However, in fact, I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, 50% of the world is stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay. The bottom 25% think they're smarter than the other 75%. Mm -hmm. uh so we have to one account for a lot of stupidity uh but two there's going to be those folks in the middle that don't want to do the work i busted my ass to to make it through the marine corps uh and even spent an extra eight weeks in marine corps boot camp to do it Mm -hmm. so i'm working on my phd i'm this close Bust in my ass to do it. And, you know, Going to, to night school for my MBA and so many other things that I do uh, and that I've been successful at. I, I love it whenever I hear people say things like, oh, you're lucky. Lucky. I freaking worked my ass off to get to this moment in time, to this point in my life. Exactly. Where where I, I thoroughly love it, enjoy it. And I, I hated my 30s. Man, I I didn't like life. I didn't like myself. Um, But I was going about it wrong. I wasn't taking care of me. I didn't even like me. So I was fat uh, and like 65, 75 pounds overweight. Um, And just unhappy with where I was at my job and using my my cyber skills which we didn't call cyber back then you know right. information security at best and even still we we referred to ourselves basically as it guys yeah or it folks and uh in fact i was reading the the uh, uh isc squared 2021 um um car- not careers but it was a uh, their annual uh, documentation about who belongs to ISD squared, where they're going and so on less than, or just over 50% of all the people in IT or excuse me, in security came oh. from IT. Oh. So almost 50% don't even know what an IP address is. Right. That's a scary thing. Uh, you know. And then they don't understand the difference between the, in the CIA triad. I'm like, really? Come on. These are some basic things, folks.
0: Yeah. And, and that goes back to what me and Kevin were talking about previously was the fact that with these certifications, we're really dumbing people down. I mean, it's very high level information to get to a very low level job. And they stop there. They get that one certification and then they think that's it, that they don't have to learn anymore that, oh, hey, I got a job. I got a certification. I'm good. Um, but it goes back to that that eighty twenty rule, right? So twenty percent of the people do eighty percent of the work and have that knowledge. I think it's true. I think I think it's oh, very true. Yeah, and, and you spoke about you know we're just monkeys. I absolutely agree. Um, I don't know if you remember or not, but I went to the zoo here locally a while back and had this nonverbal discussion conversation with this monkey. And he was checking out my tattoos and he was looking at his arms like, you know, why do I have tattoos? And, you know, he's trying to peel it off my skin and he just, he couldn't understand it. But you could tell that when you look into to an animal's eyes like that, there's something going on. Um, sure. And I would love to know the level of consciousness that they have. It has to be very similar to ours. Um, but even with them, they're constantly learning. They're constantly evolving. I think where the generations that we have now, they get to a certain point and they think that they should be entitled to the rest. And that's not how things work. You know, I've experienced that just within, you know, my groups on the internet where I build all these things and I build everything up and I, I, I put names to them and, and, and grow them organically and they automatically feel like they're entitled to own it. And that's not how, that's not how life works. And, you know, just like you, I come from that old school where... When we were in boot camp, you know, they, they didn't hesitate to put hands on, you, you know, and get in your face and scream at you and tell you that you're nothing. Um, there was no such thing as, you know, hey, I need a stress card. I actually got a stress card <laughs> from, from a guy in the air force. I was at Lackland and I was going to AIA to do a debriefing. I was walking through Lackland and I'd go to the, the chow hall and this kid cuts in front of me and I had my Navy uniform on. And uh, I was pissed. I was like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Well, uh, uh, I need a, I need a break. And I'm like, "I haven't even said anything yet." He pulls out a, he, a literal card, a stress card, and he hands it to me, to where I can't converse with him for like 15 minutes. I was like, "What the shit is this?" What? Yeah, the Navy had them too, stress cards. Well, you
1: know, I heard about them, but I never actually, yes, heard you know, them in use. So
0: yes, it was very legit, and I, I thought, "What is?" Our military coming to if they're giving kids a, a mental stress break with a stress card like if you're in battle they're not going to hand you a card you're just going to wave that card for a second nobody's going to stop correct yeah. we're just we're, we're training and bringing up a generation that if we leave everything in our hands it's probably going to end up crumbling um, and i hate to be the one to say that but i'm just being honest from what i've seen yes we do have a very strong military don't misquote me on that um but we do have individuals that don't make it through those trainings in the military and don't make it through the military that are very soft and can't conform um, right but we don't we don't push people to do that anymore we don't make people yeah. we we give allowances now
1: and, pe- and people need a push yeah yeah a big push too because let's face it the homo sapien race is lazy Mm. anytime they get to plop their ass in front of the tv and tune out the rest of the world guess what they're going to do exactly um not everyone but a large majority you know they people don't want to think they don't want to research they won't want they don't want to to really learn or be well informed they uh, they want it all pushed to them, but don't push them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it goes back to like we were talking about the electronic gadgets and, and the technology, and we put iPads and and technology in the hands of two year olds, and they get addicted to that screen from a very young age, and so now everybody, all these kids growing up, that they look at things that they want, but they expect it to be handed to them, just like everything else was. Right. So we've made them electronic dependent um you know and it's funny looking at other parents and you know spending time with other people who have kids and looking at how different the kids are when they go outside and they actually spend time having a good time as opposed to how frustrated they get inside with the electronics it actually it actually breeds that anger disruption and aggression because you know they play these games they get frustrated they melt down the mentality is completely changing. I think the way that people process information uh, just in the past 10, 15 years, it's changing drastically.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, you you probably weren't a data driven person. No. Nowadays my guess is you want to see the data. Right. Because right. it influences your decisions. Absolutely. Twenty years ago, people didn't think like that. Mm-hmm. You know, some did, but very few. Yeah, uh, and now I I'm much more likely to take a little slower pace than react because chances are you're going to see the inverse sine wave happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I I prefer not to react until I've seen the inverse sine wave.
0: Yeah, ac- absolutely. You know, and when
1: and, it comes to- and nine eleven is a perfect example where we didn't.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: We reacted uh, and the...
0: Immediately, immediately. Screwed
1: screwed everybody.
0: Yeah, immediately. I remember after the first plane hit the building and I was staying at my parents' house. I was between seasons at Yellowstone. It hit the building. My mom called me and I turned on the TV and I saw the second plane hit the building. And she's like, I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going on. This is crazy. Uh, I knew exactly what it was when I saw it. And because there had been chatter about this for a long time. Um, and immediately, I went and re-enlisted the military. But do you think that we'd actually get that response from kids that are old enough to go into the military now if we had that same event happen?
1: Probably not.
0: No. And no. I think that's, you know, we're, we're, we're catering to a generation that wants everything that we have, but they don't want to work for it and they don't want to put themselves... Forward for it, you know. It's all about being siloed and being protected by their devices and stuff. Um, I just think that the psychology of, of people is changing as well, uh, and that goes for the whole human race. Um, when I was in Europe, and this is this is really strange. So I I had never experienced these things until I went to Europe. And when I went to a fast food restaurant, and I would order something that would be you know filling here in the U.S., but when it came to me, it was like half the size. Oh yeah. Literally half the size. And there wasn't half the sugar in the drinks because there was a sugar tax and kids weren't allowed to go buy energy drinks. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, why are we not doing that in the U S why is that not happening? And I, I started seeing the politics and everything play out on TV during the election. I was still overseas and, you know, especially when the pandemic hit and everybody was on spring break down in Florida on the beaches and everybody in Europe is like, these people are crazy. Like literally, people from other countries watching us function—it's like a nightmare. And getting that, getting that, I guess, observation from outside—you know—it's like stepping out of yourself and looking back in. And I think a lot of kids also don't have exposure to other cultures um, where they can see the differences. And I think that you know that's that's in decline as well. You know, because everybody's taking staycations and you know all the virus and pandemic and then on top of that the economy just sucks right now. Mm. Uh, so I think we're going to see a big deterioration not only of like social behaviors but also mentality. Um and that's another thing with the kids is that with all of the functions of the internet, all of the technology, we are breeding kids who don't know how to interact socially. Take the take the device away from, them, and they don't know what the hell to do.
1: Yeah. But, so yeah scary. uh and i uh i purposely don't take my leash my my tether uh, places if i don't have to right and that tells me oh you were here it's like three o'clock in the morning no i wasn't i didn't go anywhere
0: you know it's funny uh, you say that too because like google google will send you an email every once in a while and say these are the places you've visited over the past 30 days Right. Like, do you really want a conglomerate like Google to, to monitor where you go every day? Like, I don't know.
1: Well, you know, so you know, this is, in fact, one thing I think about a lot. I, I, I definitely don't want to be monitored. Mm. But I've never had to wear glasses before until the last couple of years. I, mean, my, I had eagle eye. I, I could no fog, no haze, no nothing. I could see clearly. And my eyes are deteriorating. Mm-hmm. And I'm so looking forward to the day I can take that uh, injection of nanobots, squeeze it in there, and let them go to town and restore my vision. Yeah, exactly. Well, as soon as I do that, basically that's the day that I'm plugged in mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. now somebody's going to be watching everything that I'm watching. Um, and in the not-so-distant future, you know, all of our toilets are going to be uh, own, it, it probably leased from the insurance company or owned by the insurance company. They're not going to be really your toilet. Right. Uh, and if you don't have one, well, guess what? You're not getting insurance.
0: And I just pray that they don't outsource the tech support for those toilets to another country. <laughs> Yeah, I I totally see that. And and just like you, the past couple of years, like I take off my glasses now and I literally can't see. And Mm. from being in the military, I literally can't hear. So it's like everything's falling apart. And I'm thinking to myself, it would be nice to have that technology to bring that back. But with every advancement comes a payment. So that technology, that advancement, yeah, it's great and everything. But guess what? Now you have people that can surveil and have control of that technology and could potentially turn it against you. I mean, look at my pacemaker, it's from Medtronic, right? There's been vulnerabilities come out about my specific pacemaker. And those advancements to technology come with a price to pay. It's not something that's just given to us. Um, And you you get the attackers, right? So let's say we get to a point of AI, we get to the point of nanobots in your body and let's say as an attacker i decided to take something over you could take over a whole human i mean that's just Correct. That's, it, it blows my mind just to think that way
1: so you know the uh, when there's an invasion between china and the u.s hmm. it's basically the invasion of the bodies exactly exactly
0: and that's another thing too. I don't understand. Like I've been watching the news pretty closely over the past month or so, and this whole supply chain issue and shipping issue, and ships are just hanging out in the water and not delivering goods. I don't understand for the life of me. I don't understand where that problem is coming from. Mm. I, it, it just and, I, and it's
1: it's not just one place in the world. It's everywhere. Everywhere. In the world. Caspian Sea has. Uh, a floating island of all of these tankers—they're uh, mm-hmm. together because some—I forget who it was—Turkey or somebody stopped taking oil from um, uh, Australia, mm-hmm. and so now you have these tankers that are stuck out there floating in sea for four to six months, and they're running out of power, running out of food rations, and. Mm-hmm um and that's just one of the many challenges that are in front of us mm-hmm. we are people are learning that our our supply chains were international mm-hmm. and we're not going to be successful if we think that we can have that model operating at even 50 percent
0: exactly and I think that the whole pandemic has kind of, put the earth on a different tilt and everybody has just kind of gone like mad is the way it looks because you know the supply chain has not changed over the years it's 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 still the same supply chain but now all of a sudden we have all this distrust among countries and among people and the financial issues between certain countries and it's just like everybody who who is nobody basically every citizen is paying for this political bullshit and the upheaval and the distrust, we're the ones taking the hit for it. Um, you know, and the I, I think that, like you said, the, for us to get to a, a comfortable point, we're going to need to hit a rock bottom somewhere. I don't mm-hmm. think 9-11 was a true rock bottom. Um, nope. I, I think that sent us on a war path that was probably unneeded at that time. Um, but as a veteran, you know, I, I was... I always go back to, I'll do anything for my country. And the way that they played the emotions from 9-11, it made me feel as if I had an obligation. Um, when in reality, what happened has been going on for decades. Um, oh, yeah. With, with that region. Uh, and we're coming up on, on a Veterans Day uh, Thursday, I believe. Um, right. Which is going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm going to be on a, a podcast with uh, Jack Scott, who's former army special forces um she's an amazing person
1: oh yeah uh, so yeah it was the, her on a podcast a couple of weeks ago uh i'm trying to think if it was so i guess it wasn't from you or is she gonna be a second visitor
0: oh no no um i'm going on their show so her and okay. cyber uh, cyber cyber security uh supply drop um oh right right josh they're, they're gonna have a, a podcast and me and nina ali and a couple other people are gonna be uh doing the live stream event nice yeah. so it nice should be, should be interesting but you know i i that's another thing too i i love our military um i really enjoyed my service i learned a lot uh in cryptography um but i just i feel bad for the country now because there's fewer and fewer people that want to be part of the military that want to be part of law enforcement, that want to be part of anything that has a higher meaning um, other than themselves. And uh, I just hope that trend doesn't continue. I I still remember listening to the stories of world war II from some of the old timers. And uh, I was a completely different generation. I don't think we'll ever see a generation like that again.
1: No, no. And one of the reasons why the, the silent era, they, they didn't, they never understood a world of abundance. Mm-hmm. We now live in a world of abundance. In fact, you can't stop them from sending the freaking plastic in the box. It's just, I mm-hmm. want to send you more plastic. Um, so we will we'll never go backwards. And that's, I, I don't understand why people are having a hard time with that. Like uh, when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. people were like, I want to go back to normal. Sorry, it's not how the world works. <laughs> it, nothing goes back to normal.
0: No, this isn't Faith, normal.
1: <laughs> correct. Let's get real. So you all all realize that we we have the same reality in front of us. This is not Donald Trump speaking. This is reality talking. Uh, your world changed. Let's deal with it. Suck it up. Put on your big boy, big girl britches. Uh, and, and make something of it. 100. You know, that's what. Uh, it, there's a lot of complaints nowadays about the one percent making all this money uh, during the pandemic. Most of it really wasn't any fault of their own. I mean, Jeff Bezos built a hell of an empire with Amazon, set himself up just right for something like this.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: So uh, I applaud him for what he did, and, and the. the the values that that corporation has they, they have like 16 leadership principles that everybody ha- must know and live and be able to talk stories around these leadership principles and if you're not you're not getting in the door there mm-hmm. uh so it's it's a pretty amazing company and uh Elon Musk that guy works like a madman mm-hmm. uh and he, he gets it as well. I mean, one, of the, one of the reasons why he started Tesla was he wanted to get, get us into a green environment and, and move us into a, a better world than in which he came in. Um, and now, granted, every time he set a rocket off in space, you're doing a lot of damage. But in the long run, when you add up uh, his uh, carbon footprint, if you will... I'd say it's probably going to fall more in the positive side than the negative side. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it, people are probably jealous of all of their hard work. And that's, I guess, why they're so lucky. You know, and, uh, it, it's not lucky. It, it's a, a boatload of hard work. And you know, I, I realize now that with being a farmer, mm-hmm. uh, Right now, I'm only producing about 120 pounds of mushrooms a week. We're getting ready to go to 300 pounds a week. Wow. And it, it's a seven-day-a-week job. Mm-hmm. You, get, you have morning chores to do and evening chores to do on that farm. The farm does not stop growing. You know, and, uh, it's, it, it's a lot of hard work. It doesn't matter what kind of farming you do, it's a lot of hard work. Yet we have less than 7% of the population that, that farm for the other 93% that don't have a clue about farming. What happens when that supply chain goes belly up? What are you all, all going to do?
0: Then we're all in trouble.
1: <laughs> uh, not me. I'm just going to pop open a beer and walk over and grab a mushroom and watch the world go by
0: exactly and I, but, but i've seen a lot of my friends actually get more interested in farming and farming different types of things uh, my buddy luke that i connected you with um, very interesting guy and he's really interested into uh, farming he also does a lot of ham radio stuff and, um, i see a few of my friends stepping up and like getting interested in you know sustainable living and, and stuff like that um, which i much respect to, you know, I live in the middle of a urban area with no green space now, um, but I, I wish I had the capability of having some sort of, of farm to you know, keep raising and being self-sustained. Um, but yeah, that, that's really cool. The So how is the farming going right now? You say that you're going to increase to 300 pounds a week. How are you doing that?
1: So uh, we have a downstairs operation and an upstairs operation. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and i say, say something and people are going to be like, oh, he's rich. I have, I, I've, I'm fortunate enough to have two, three car garages. And one of the reasons why I have that, I live right on the Potomac. And so the downstairs garage was thought to be a, a boat garage. Mm. I had all those toys, golf cart, and jet skis, and I ended up getting rid of all of them. I, I have like, no toys anymore and I'm so glad. Uh, but so i had 750 square foot of of the downstairs basement i wasn't using mm-hmm. and so that's now lower operations for set those mushroom vertical farm although we don't necessarily say set them set those mushroom vertical farm right uh but the it, when you go vertical you can do a lot of farming and so my upstairs garage and downstairs garage, the only difference is the way the garage is faced. Uh, and there's a concrete slab in between. So it's pretty nice. I, I just had to put in some heat and AC in, in both of them. I used a mini split uh, and put some water in there. Uh, got an electric sub panel put in down, down below. And I had to do all the work. Uh, if you're a farmer, and you start calling other contractors to do the job, forget it. You are not going to make money. A farmer has to be very inventive. Uh, A farmer has to solve a lot of problems. And if you're going to be a farmer and you have to call people to come in to solve your problem, you are not going to make money.
0: At that point, you're just a grower and not a farmer.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And so I've done everything here from build a a six-inch thick walk-in cooler with uh, a cool bot uh, that's providing the the cool air into my walk-in cooler to three grow rooms or fruiting chambers, um, three rooms that are um, incubation space. I have a a mycology lab. My mycological lab in my house, which is triple HEPA filtered, uh, carbon filtered, and UV light filtered. So when you go into this lab, it is sterile, clean. Oh, very much so. And uh, uh, my wife spends a lot of time in the lab. Uh, And really, this this farm, it's more of a prototype Mm -hmm. because being a farmer is not the end game, although it's really nice for a tax break. Thank right. you, Republicans. Thank you, Democrats. But one of the reasons why I love being a farmer is lots of tax breaks. Um, so that kind of helps. In fact, if you look at Bill Gates, he's one of the largest farm owners in the, in the, in the U.S.
0: And the biggest uh, contributor to the uh, International Seed Bank.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. So when people say you, there used to be an old saying, how do you make a million dollars when you're a farmer? Start with a million dollars.
0: Right.
1: That's no longer the case. Uh, Now, granted, I don't want to get to be this big, massive monstrosity uh, uh, that is uh, harming mushrooms, which joke. But uh, I do, what the intent is, I want to make packing material, sustainable packing material. And I'm gonna do that with mycelium, And awesome. mycelium is, is the stage before the fruited body of the mushroom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I have to learn all of the other process, putting the substrate together, mixing the substrate, understanding which substrate's best for that species of mm-hmm. uh, taking it in the lab, inoculating it. Now here's the only difference. Once it's fully colonized, whatever it's in, if I was going to make packing material, I'm going to go heat it up and dry it in a kiln. Mm-hmm. If I want to eat it, then I'm going to go put it into a fruiting chamber and watch the fruity mushroom come uh, come up. Mm-hmm. That's really the only difference. Uh, in addition to that, there are other things that you can make. like They're making reishi leather. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, it's stronger than cowhide really oh yeah wow and uh, adidas is even getting into it they're making shoes made out of mycelia
0: i actually have a pair of shoes that was made out of hemp so it looks like they're you know the shoe manufacturers and adidas actually made that shoe as well uh, right made strictly out of hemp so i'm seeing a lot of like clothing manufacturers and and all different types of you know industries that are using those natural forms of, of materials to create things
1: Correct. And then I want to be able to take uh, the, the mycelia and then turn it into uh, a liquid because at some point it'll be hardened, but I want to turn it into 3D print material. If you ever wow. notice most 3D printers nowadays, people are putting little plastic strands through it. Okay, mm-hmm. And then when they're done with their model, well, chuck it. And we don't need to be adding plastic to the world. Right. I want to make uh the this thin little strands made out of mycelia, mm-hmm. people can use for their 3d printers uh, and then i want to be able to print take that material and print a satellite and then one day launch that satellite into space
0: that would be awesome
1: well being this mushroom farmer is teaching me how to kind of do all of that mm-hmm. i already got my mba i learned how a business operates and that was For 20 years now, since I've had my MBA almost, I've been looking for the right industry, the right thing, the right Mm -hmm. widget. And I I didn't know what it was that I wanted to sell. And really, you got to sell something. Mm -hmm. You can sell services, but man, that's a hard sell. If you sell the right product, not really a hard sell. And we're we're right on this, uh, another race or on the verge of another war. Mm -hmm. uh in it's the space wars the space race we're going to be over the next 10 to 20 and plus years this one's not going to stop we're going to be putting more stuff up into space well the the biggest challenge with putting something up into space is its weight Mm -hmm. the lighter it is the less it costs to put it up in the space If I can make mycelium or satellites based out of mycelium instead of metal.
0: A tenth of the weight.
1: It should be, correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if I wrap it in carbon nanofiber, it's going to get uh, very strong uh, and have lots of flexibility and so on. But Mm -hmm. then whenever we're done with it, it comes back down into space. It's a natural – well, first of all, when it comes back down into space, if it's protected with mycelium – I mm-hmm. took a torch one day for 10 minutes, trying to burn this brick of my sodium. No. In fact, yeah, it smelled yeah. like it was a barbecue going on the back door or, uh, outside. And this was in my garage. It smelled like a barbecue for a couple hours. But that was it. I mean, we're talking 10 minutes of me going, putting this flame on there. So it takes longer. But that was longer than when a, a space vehicle comes back down in. You're right. talking only like two and a half minutes. The, 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 the During that time, you have loss of signal of the spacecraft because all that flame around it is d- destroying all signals. And so if you can make it past that period of time, then you've got g- plenty of fire retardant effort. Yeah. Mycelium yeah. will do that again, much lighter than the, the tiles that they were putting on the sh- on the shuttle. Um So there's many reasons why I think that making satellites out of mycelium is going to work. Mm -hmm. And this farm is my prototype to get me there.
0: Well, think of mycelium uh, used in constructions of of homes and buildings, internal infrastructure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Being being a fire retardant, I mean, who wouldn't buy into that idea?
1: They already have insulation that's being sold commercially and uh, in retail. Of mycelium-based uh, insulation, as well as soundproof boards or soundboards that you can hang up on the wall and deaden the sound. Uh, it, yeah, the the number of ways that you can look to use mycelium. Uh, this is another shift that we're going to have because we have to move to this green revolution. We have to co- look to all alternatives. Mm. Uh, and boy the the power of the mushroom it's amazing when people dig into realizing all the things that can be done and made and built and uh, preserved with mycelium and mushrooms it's phenomenal and then you look at the similarities between the brain and and the mycelia there I, I mean you can overlap the uh, an image of the two and have a hard time telling the difference. Wow, yeah, it's really, really incredible. Yeah, I would have
0: known nothing about mycelia or mushrooms being used for different functions had I not met you and, and we talked about it. I had never heard that before, um, and I think probably most of the, most of the people listening or, or probably most people that, that I know would have no clue about it. Uh, right, except for maybe a select few, but I think that goes back to you know sustainability and looking to. It's kind of like a survival skill, you know. It's moving to that next level of evolution, um, and I think things like that are going to be important uh, to learn. Um, and the sad thing is, if it has to do with growing or or nature or anything outside, most of the kids nowadays probably will not get involved. Right. So it's up to people like us to, to further that. Well, Max, I really appreciate having you on again. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, we'll have to do a, a podcast, you and I, and, uh, co-host and, and you know, we'll bring somebody on and, and have our own discussion and have kind of like a round table. Would I'd you love for it,
1: that? Man. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, uh we, let's plan on sooner than later.
0: Absolutely. And maybe we'll, we'll bring Luke on and, uh, you guys can talk about mushroom farming as well.
1: Hell yeah. Absolutely. I
0: think it'd be a great conversation. Cyber uh,
1: and mushrooms. I'm, I'm tired of hearing about bees and cybersecurity. It's time to hear about <laughs> mushrooms and cyber.
0: 100%. 100%. Well, is there any last words or any questions before we uh, sign off?
1: Um, it, Mike, I appreciate what you're doing. I always love uh, your shows. Keep knocking them out because uh, I, I got to work out and it's a perfect way for me to learn and work out at the same time. Awesome. So thanks, I really appreciate
0: it. Awesome, and thanks again for, for being a friend and coming on the show. I, I enjoyed it every time.
1: Absolutely, so, man. With that, I'll, uh, I'll sign
0: off and uh, I'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Max.